This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Suspense. Suspense is the nothing personal word of the day for Thursday, August 26th, 2021. Suspense. Who's not waiting? If you're a football fan, the NFL starts in a couple of weeks. Everyone's all excited. Who's going to be your starting quarterback? It's like the suspense of naming the opening day pitcher in Major League Baseball. It's really not suspense because we never really cared. It's an honor to give the opening day nod to somebody. I always liked being a part of calling in the pitcher and telling him, even though they know way before we tell them, because in baseball, you pitch every five days and the agents and the players get together and lobby us as to when their pitcher should start during spring training, because they know if they line up for the every five days prior to opening day, there's a good chance that they'll pitch opening day. But we like to keep everyone in the dark, a little suspense, and then tell the pitcher, hey, congratulations, you are our opening day starter. Whoopee! The NFL does the same thing, and I like it. The suspense over who's going to be the starting quarterback. You get to talk about it during the offseason. Get the fans all excited, not sure which jersey to buy. Do you buy a Trevor Lawrence jersey or a Gardner Minishu jersey? And you listen to Urban Mayer say, Trevor's our guy. He's earned it. Not much suspense there. But some coaches enjoy the secrecy part of it because they think there's a competitive advantage to this level of suspense. I've never been able to have anyone in football prove that to me. I was lucky enough. Bill Parcells was a huge Marlins fan. Side story here. Bill Parcells would come. He was friends with Dan Jennings, who was our VP of player personnel. He was our general manager. He was our manager. Uh, and, uh, and then he wasn't shocking. And he had a relationship with Bill Parcells, a friendship. So Bill Parcells would come and watch spring training with the Marlins every year. And Bill Parcells was the coach of the giants who were my second favorite team growing up behind the Knicks and the Giants winning the Super Bowl over Denver was one of the great days of my life. Of course, beating Buffalo didn't stink also. They've won the Eli Manning ones didn't matter as much because I was in sports, so I wasn't as big a fan. But Bill Parcells was my guy. And I would pick his brain. I'd want to 
talk to him all the time about sports and baseball and leadership. And he was a particularly grumpy guy as it related to people he didn't know and people who would approach him. And I understood it because he was bothered all the time and he wanted to just watch baseball. But we'd sit in a golf cart and talk. And I asked him one time, more than one time, I'm sure I asked him every year because I would forget what I would say from year to year about the announcing of starting pitchers and the announcing of quarterbacks and the secrecy of the playbook, et cetera. And he said to me, you know, I can't, I'm the worst imitator. Wouldn't that be a great skill if I could imitate anybody? You know, that's a bunch of horseshit. He would say, <laughs> he was a pretty, he is a pretty gruff guy because his view is as long as we're better than you, then we're happy to tell you everything we're doing. We're happy to tell you everyone who's playing. We'll even tell you what our plays are, not the order in which we're going to run them. We may not give you the formations in which we're going to start, but if you want to know the order we're going to play, it's about execution. It's about talent. Give me a team of Lawrence Taylors and a team of Phil Sims, and we're going to win, even if we lose our playbook. But in football, if you ever read the articles where, oh my God, someone left the playbook in a movie theater and now they have to redo the whole thing and they keep everything very hidden and they cover, everyone covers their mouth in sports is one of my favorite things. When the catcher and the pitcher are talking, they cover their mouth with a with their glove. When the coach is giving the call, they're covering their mouth because cameras are on their mouth and God forbid the other team sees to be Omaha LRQ. Well, in San Francisco, Shanahan, their coach, Kyle Shanahan, learned from the best, obviously. Mike Shanahan, his dad, is one of the best coaches. And they want to make you believe that they don't know who's going to start at quarterback. With the season starting, you have to know. As president of a team, we would be very clear to our manager. We don't care if you don't want to announce the opening day pitcher, but we've gone through the rotation. You know very well who's opening. And we know that way before we disclose it. And you'd know it as a fan if you just knew how to do math. In football, maybe it's a little different because preseason football, you can't tell anything about anyone because no one plays. And when they do play, they play six snaps. Then they get criticized or they get lauded depending on whether or not that player is going to start that is directly correlated to what you say about the player after a preseason game. So the, the 49ers drafted this guy, Trey Mancini with the third pick in the draft Trey, uh, That's right. Trey Mancini's in my mind because the Orioles just beat the angels to break their 19 game losing streak. Shohei Otani started that game, but the angels could not prevail. So I was thinking about Trey Mancini. His name is Trey Lance. Thank you, Coca. Trey Lance was the third overall pick in last year's draft. In the draft, excuse me, he comes and competes against Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo was signed to that huge deal. Do you remember the fact that when he signed and he was going to be, you know, the next, I was going to say the next Colin Kaepernick for San Francisco, but I guess they wanted him to be better than Colin was. So there's been some question as to who's going to start. For my money, it was very clear we're starting Garoppolo. And the reason we're starting Garoppolo is I'm not having my $20 million guy with a clipboard. I'm just not doing it. It's not worth it to me. If he ends up not being good in the first few games of a season, I'm willing to consider benching my guy, but this is my investment. I'm not willing to admit 
that from a player personnel standpoint, we were that wrong that quickly. So Shanahan says, if there would be one reason I can think of by naming the starting quarterback that would help, it would be to end these questions because the media, who's your starting pitcher? Who's your opening day pitcher? Who's your starting quarterback? They're dying to know because they want to disseminate that information. But of course, everyone knows, but they want to disseminate it anyway. And they want to be first. They want to be credited as being first on Twitter. If you could give me another reason that it's a big advantage that helps our team affects anything that has to do with us, then I'll name it. Why well, tell people? I know you guys want an answer, which is fine. I get the suspense of it. But I'm just not going to answer it to end your guys' suspense. I'd walk into the clubhouse and say, listen, Kyle, just FYI, we don't name or not name a starting quarterback because of the suspense that is felt by the media. The media are the people who we use, club affiliated in the clubhouse only, of course, to get information out to our fans. Is there a marketing advantage, a sales advantage in football to announcing who the quarterback is? The answer is no, which is why you can have suspense and it really doesn't matter publicly because no one is buying season tickets to the Niners or going to the opening day Niners game, first home game, because Garoppolo's named over Lance. In baseball, the reason why I was always in favor of naming the pitchers as far in advance as possible is that the overwhelming majority of the ticket buying public, even season ticket holders who choose what games they're going to go to, the overwhelming majority choose the game they're going to according to the starting pitching matchup. So you will see in a three-game series, if you know you're going to go to one game that series and you're pretty market neutral between Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you're going to look at the starting pitcher matchups. When you are choosing to go to an NFL game during the course of an eight-game home season, what do you look at? You're solely looking at opponents, right? So it's not like you care whether it's going to be Garoppolo. But I don't want my coach to ever make my fans seem as though we're in the know, you're not, and we're going to shove that in your face. And Shanahan was pretty guilty of that. He said, I've got a pretty good idea. But as you guys can see with everything, I don't know our schedule a couple days from now. Horse hockey, of course he does. So I've always had a pretty good idea. But there are lots of days between now and then at every position. I'm not sure who is helping Shanahan. I guess he probably doesn't need help, but he sort of does when you read those quotes, doesn't he? If you've got a pretty good idea, just tell us. Oh, you're giving us the nuclear codes, aren't you? You secret guy. No wonder you want to be suspenseful. NFL starts in a couple of weeks. I've got 14 fantasy football drafts coming up. Sorry, 18 fantasy football drafts coming up. And I am taking the same guy as my first pick in every draft. And I gave you an Easter egg earlier in this show of who that would be. It's LT. All right, I got to talk about Philadelphia. The Philadelphia Phillies won the game last night against the Rays. They are hot. Wait a minute. I'm just kidding. For those of you who are just waking up and seeing it, the Philadelphia Phillies did not win the game last night against the Rays. The Philadelphia Phillies, let me check live. I'm going live right now. 
I sort of am live right now. The Philadelphia Phillies wait. They're in good position. As I look at the wild card right now, they are 63 and 63, five games back. When I'm president of the team, five games back means we're in it. We can send out playoff invoices. We can take all of your money for playoff invoices and then keep it and then not refund it and use it towards next year's season ticket prices. Because I make it very clear from the beginning, just be five games back by the 1st of September. Because if you're five games out of a playoff spot, I don't care if you're behind six teams. But if you're five games back, you are in the race. So the Phillies, five games back, they're only behind St. Louis San, and San Diego and Cincinnati. So they're in it. In the division, they're only five games back of the Braves. Phillies are good. Bryce Harper having an MVP-style year. He traded home runs with Tatis last night. Those are the two front runners for MVP. So I was thinking to myself, what, what's going on there in Philly? They haven't made the playoffs in 11 years. Is that right? I think it could be 11 years, maybe since 09. They've, had a, they've signed really big free agents, Bryce Harper. They've kept their own in JT Realmuto. They signed Zach Wheeler. They've tried every combination of players, managers. They got Joe G. Joe Girardi, but there's something off about the team. And then I was reading yesterday what Dave Dombrowski did, and it clicked like a light bulb going off. Don't you love when that happens when you're it happens two two ways, right? When you're trying to think of something and you go through your mental Rolodex and then you come up with it and you just have that moment where you remember what you were thinking about saying and you say it. That's one. But the other, the other click that happens is when you're in work in a business meeting and you're trying to get something done and you don't see a path to getting what you want, whether it's a raise, a promotion, whether it's a deal, a sale, whether it's convincing someone to do something. And then all of a sudden you're in the meeting and it happens and you can see so clearly it like lights up a winding road at night to get where you want to get to. Thinking about what was wrong with the Phillies, I had that moment. And the moment is they had the wrong assistant general managers. Boom. That's the epiphany. I'm sorry. The Phillies are trying to change everything. They brought in Dave Dombrowski, the oldest of the old school, the man who can spend money like no other. Guy who says I combine old school and new school because that's what old school has to say or else I'll never get jobs. Of course, I'll use analytics and all sorts of other driveline and other things that the Phillies are using, but not like Gabe Kapler did and not like Matt Klintak did, their old GM. I'm going to use it as a part of what I do. But then yesterday, for no reason at all, zero, Dave Dombrowski discussed the fact that he is getting rid of three executives. The person who ran player development, two assistant general managers, they're starting over because they had to send down. So all of you criticized what we did with the Marlins. I hope you liked watching Edward Cabrera, a international sign when I was there. I was the main person who said, let's sign this 15 year old or 16 year old in 2015. When I saw him, I said, oh God, he's gonna be a top three prospect. And he's going to pitch, my guess is, in around 2021, right in the August area. I think we got to sign him. 
Can you smell the sarcasm? Do you know how that works with the, uh, another detour, Coco? I'm sorry about this, but I have to. International players, when they're 15 years old, once in a while, once a year, I would go to the Dominican because I wanted to sort of make the head of international operations happy, the director of international operations. I wanted to make the owner think that I was totally involved and in, not in choosing the players, but making sure the operation was going well. So go to the Dominican and get driven around and look at a bunch of players and look at the facilities and say, wow, that's dirty. Wow, that food doesn't look good. Ooh, those sheets look starched. And then have a cerveza and get back on the plane and head back to Miami. You're in, you're out. Boom. It's like going to Wisconsin and you see all these players and you get told, Hey, that there's 20 grand. That's how I'm introduced. There's 20 grand. There's hundred grand. There's five grand. There's the 250 grand guy. And so I'm introduced to them by their, what their bonus was that they were given as international players. Any president or owner or GM. Now this is important. Any GM like a Gary Denbo or a Derek Jeter or a David Sampson or a Michael Hill or anybody who takes credit for a 15-year-old international sign ought to be ashamed of himself or if Kim does it, of herself. Because it is all about the people in the Dominican who are doing the scouting and the international operations head who tells you, let's allocate our bonus money this way. Now, we would always approve any bonus over $50,000, anything under $50,000. The guy can do what he wants. He can sign whoever he wants. We don't even need to know if he has a pulse. You're giving him five grand? Great. Can he fog up a mirror? Done. And you never know what you're going to get. So Dave Dombrowski joins the Philadelphia Phillies, and he does what new GMs tend to do, veteran presidents, baseball operations. We're going to take some time. I'm going to evaluate everything. I'm going to learn what's happening here. And then I'm going to mold it exactly as I want to make this beautiful winning sculpture here in Philadelphia. I understand why he does that. It sort of makes sense. But why is he announcing it now? Dave Dombrowski had a quote that shocked me. You get to this time of year, August, hold on, what was the date yesterday, Coca? It was August 25th. You get to this time of year, and you're generally talking about the 2022 season. And before you're ready to do that, you have to make sure the people who are running things for you are the people who are going to correct it, Dombrowski said. I just thought it was appropriate to make some changes. Dear Mr. Sampson, we are so excited for the 2021 season as we enter the final stretch with only five games between us and a spot in October. Please find attached your invoice for playoff games. Ignore the fact that it's impossible that we will host the LCS, but you will notice that we have billed you 
invoiced you for four possible home games, game one, game two, game three, game four. Thank you. Regards, Dave Dombrowski. If you're running that team, aren't you saying, hey, hey, Dave, um, we're still sort of in it in 2021, and we're trying to get some cash flow here for playoffs and to be used for the offseason when we don't have any other types of revenue, but we do still have overhead. Is there any chance that you could not give a quote that says that we're talking about the 2022 season? Of course you are. But why are we saying that? We would start prepping for the 22 season for the next season. As you know, we started in June when the schedule first draft of the schedule is given to us. We start talking to marketing about promotions and we start looking at scheduling or spring training at games and hotels and yada and yada and yada. Of course, we're planning because the 2022 season spring training starts six months from today. Ooh, today's my half birthday, Coco, by the way. So, Scott, I'm tomorrow I'm on the other side of 53. Six months from today, I believe, is when spring training begins. You report even earlier than that. So, of course, preparations are going to be made. And if you're going to make changes to your staff and to your development staff, whether it's a hitting coach in the minor leagues or a pitching coach in the minor leagues, we started thinking about that even during the existing minor league season, which ends at the end of August. The nice people in baseball inform their people as early as possible when they're not going to be renewed. There were years that we were not nice because we did not go to our coaches on the major league side and tell them what was happening until late, like sometimes the last two days of the season, sometimes even into the offseason. And that has a quashing impact on their ability to get other jobs. Because if you know you're not going to be renewed in a certain position, then you are out there tampering and talking to other teams and other GMs and everyone else, you know, trying to get a new position. But the people who Dombrowski is not going to use next year, he just demoted. He's having them do something else. It's not as though he needed to give that information to them. They are likely under contract. And it's not as though he needed to tell the fans about 2022 in the minor league and the player development changes that are happening and how he's going to go away from all analytics and start using traditional slash analytics. Why now? And then I thought more and I saw the light down the driveway, the epiphany of epiphanies. Dombrowski realizes for sure that his team is not good enough to play in the playoffs in 2021. Dombrowski knows for sure that he's going to need extra money from John Middleton this offseason, the owner, because the team that he has assembled and that was assembled partially by him is not good enough. He knows for sure that his farm system stinks because under Matt Klentak, none of the first round picks recently, including the most recent one, Rome, who was just sent down, actually, because he's been so bad after having a great 60 games last year realizes that he's got to be able to write not the season ticket invoice letter, but the welcome to 2022 letter. And to do it, he has to have made changes down below to say that now 21 didn't count. 
20 didn't count. Now, 22 counts because I'm firmly in charge because look at me and I've made these changes. I am now the one who is steering the ship. I've cleaned up the mess that existed. And I thought, how great is it that Dave's doing that after such a short period of time when my guy Jeets is still blaming me and he's been doing this for four years. The Marlins, when they made the playoffs after 60 games, we've turned around when the Marlins are going to lose 90 again. He's back to the narrative, man. We had a lot of work to do. We had to really start from scratch. Baseball executives are famous for the start from scratch. We've got work to do. We've got to clean it up. We're going to make some changes. We're going to change our tack. Very famous for that. It's not like when a football executive, when a new GM football, football executive comes in or a new coach, we are going to run more on third and long. We're going to change the playbook and we're going to start with 10 passes. What they always say is we're going to put our players in a position to succeed. That's more coach speak and executive speak. And it's a bunch of horse hockey. It truly is because as though they're now going to put players in a position to succeed because the previous people did not. They were rooting for their players to fail. One day you'll explain that to me. <sighs> okay. Oh, we're going to come back and talk about Survivor. Yes, we are. And then we're going to talk about the alliance that's going on in college and how fascinating the landscape of college sports is, was, and will be. We'll be right back on Nothing Personal. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for downloading, rating, reviewing. You have to do that. I think it's following on Spotify. It's rating and reviewing on Apple. But wherever you get your podcasts or if you're watching this, I hope you like my purple shirt. I think the lighting is so bad here that this blazer looks purple, but it's actually blue and black. Nothing personal with David Sampson's the YouTube channel. We're here every day for the most part. And we watch a movie every day, not for the most part. 
I've been watching these limited series on a weekly basis. It started with uh, Your Honor, went to Mayor of Easttown, and I just finished watching White Lotus. I was fascinated because I love Steve Zahn, and I love Jake Lacey. And what was his wife's name in White Lotus? Oh, Coco, we talked about it pregame. And of course, I totally forgot. DeGuardio, DeLondrio, DeFrizio, not Connie Britton, the one from Bearing the X and from True Detective Season 1. Come on. Oh, it's Alexandra. Alexandra Daddario. Yeah, she's in that too. So White Lotus is filmed exclusively and solely at the Four Seasons in Maui. So they got all these actors to get together. They go to Maui and they film a six-part series. And I loved every episode. People are complaining, oh, it was gross at the end. And it was. I think you may hear a little more about that on another show. There's a scene in the last episode that is so gross that it's ridiculous. There's some twists, there's some turns, but I've left out the number one reason to watch White Lotus. Stifler's mom. Please tell me you know who Stifler's mom is. Please. Jennifer Coolidge, Stifler. Bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee. Do you know who wrote, directed White Lotus? A Survivor player named Mike White. He was good on Survivor. He did way better than I did. So I'm always going to support Survivor family. But I'd like you to invest in White Lotus because the twists, the turns, the cinematography, the music, the family dynamics, the stories that interact, it's already been renewed for season two, which means people are liking it, except season two will be nothing like season one. It's going to be sort of like a true detective thing because it takes place with these people going to a resort for a vacation and at the end they leave. So I guess season two will be different people going to the resort for vacation. I wonder where they'll film. Maybe it'll be like Survivor and they'll film at a different place each year. Different resort. Okay. All right. We said we get to this yesterday. We did not. I got to get to it today. A couple of days ago, there was a huge alliance that was formed and it had been rumored. And if you're following college football, or even if you're not following college sports, let me rewind the last year and a half of college sports. There's COVID. We have no money. We're cutting sports. We've got sports back. We're going to reinstate the sports we cut. We still don't have a lot of money. We want players to get paid the way we want them to get paid. Uh-oh, there's going to be name, image, and likeness. Therefore, we have to open it up to every college player to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. You're now talking about leaving the Big 12? You shouldn't do that. Oh, you did it, Texas and Oklahoma? Well, then we've got to do something because we're the ACC and the Big 10 and the Pac-12. And now the SEC has a super conference, but the super conference didn't work in football in Europe. Is it going to work in the U.S.? I think it's going to work in the U.S., so we better form our own super conference. That is a summary of college sports in the last year and a half. So a rumor comes out, and when rumors like this come out, you know they're 100% true, that the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have decided to form a quote-unquote alliance. And they 
form this alliance. They do all these press releases, which were one was funnier than the last. They called what they're doing a collaborative approach surrounding the future evolution of college athletics and scheduling. Everyone got that? The collaborative approach surrounding the future evolution of college athletics and scheduling. Or to put it another way, holy crap, the SEC is so big that we better do something to counteract them. And if we can screw them in the meantime and form our own super, super duper conference, then the SEC is going to be sorry they ever started this. And by the way, we're going to say it's because we care about our student athletes and we want them to benefit from this collaborative alliance of great educational institutions. GMAB. There's one reason only this alliance was formed and every athletic director will not tell you what it is. You know it. Say it with me. Give me the word. Money. They believe that they can get better broadcast deals, that their networks can survive better if they are not overtaken by a super conference, and they get to penalize those in the SEC by scheduling games against just each other starting in 2074 when the scheduling contracts that are pre-signed and cannot be broken end. I think it was 2074, but it may be 2124 or something when they can start scheduling everything the way they want to. This quote unquote, non-aggression pact between these three conferences. Have you ever been uh, in a situation where you have a competitor in business and instead of going to war with that competitor, you sort of knock on his door and say, hey, I think if we combine forces, we'd have a better chance of surviving and thriving it's very common. It's what mergers are. It's what acquisitions are. You merge with a competitor and form a new company, or you merge with a company that does something you don't do so you can be a bigger, better company than your competitors who may not be the company that you merged with or bought, but it was done for the purpose of competing. Viacom CBS did not start Paramount Plus because they wanted to. They started because they needed to have a competitive digital platform to Disney Plus and Peacock and all the others. So when these conferences saw what the SEC did, and the SEC was clearly ahead of the game because everyone else was on their heels, they said, we have to counter. But the problem is with their counter, it was so general and so full of baloney that none of us actually believed that it was going to accomplish anything. And they went on and had all of these athletic directors talk to you. And they had all these releases come out. And if you read them carefully, they didn't really say anything. They say they want to improve the scheduling for men's and women's basketball. They want to include and encourage the symbiotic relationship and improve the symbiotic relationship. And they want to put themselves in a better position for the college football playoff. They listed all of these different things and not one place, 
Not one person actually went forward and said, hey, it's money. Would have made me smile at least. All right, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if everybody in the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 becomes better educated going forward. I told you Blake Snell stinks, and boy, did the Padres stink last night. Blake Snell went one and two-thirds, gave up 22 runs, 17 hits, walked eight people, and struck out zero. The worst performance in the history of pitching by Blake Snell yesterday. In the history. Thank God we picked the Dodgers. We're 108 and 91. Dodgers beat the Padres. Obviously, that's going to happen when Blake Snell has a game like that. It was a blowout game. The Dodger, the final score, Dodgers 94, Padres 7. Unbelievable. Great job by the Dodgers, 108 and 91. Pick of the day today. Let's talk about Carlos Rodon. We've talked about him as a Cy Young candidate. We've talked about him as a non-tender who re-signed with the Chicago White Sox. We've talked about the fact that the best teams in baseball are not the teams who sign the top free agents. It doesn't take a genius. Every person playing fantasy baseball on CBS platforms can take the starting pitcher who makes $30 million a year, find me the guy who's going to outperform. Carlos Rodon has done that. And he's facing today, Ryu, that highly paid pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, number one starter. We're going to take the White Sox. 108 and 91, Rodon over Ryu, White Sox over the Blue Jays. Nothing personal, pick of the day. All right, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So I want to talk to Samson. That's the segment where you get on my Twitter at David P. Samson and ask a question. Hi, David. Hello. Huge fan. Thank you. Listen every day. Double thank you. Not sure if you're following the Harry Kane Tottenham transfer saga in England. I had not been, but then I read up about it. Is that your question? Nope. He keeps going. How would you handle a star player who refused sick who on who it was that, but I said, changed it to who, how would you handle a star player who sick refused to show up to training and preseason to force a transfer, then ended up staying with the club because the owner wouldn't let him leave. I wanted to address this question because while American sports is not, nearly the same as European sports. There is the common denominator of athlete empowerment, and I don't mean in social issues. I'm totally fine with athletes not shutting up and dribbling. If you wanna use your platform, you have to use your platform. We talked about it through COVID, through all of the other issues, racial issues that have taken place over the last couple of years. Use your platform, whether it's one person, or a million people, or 50,000 people a day, or 200,000 people a day, including all metrics, whatever the case may be, use your platform. <sighs> Athletes 
have taken that to a new level. And they are trying to legislate themselves out of situations they don't want to be in. I signed a long-term contract with you. I'm committed to you. Oh, God, we're not winning games. I don't want to be here anymore. I signed a contract because you offered me guaranteed money that was more than I could get anywhere else. And I was so excited. I thought the Rockies were going to keep being great. Oh, God, we stink. I want out. These players are doing that more and more, trying to dictate where they want to be if the team isn't good enough or if they think they can get another dollar from someone else. In Europe, it is a big deal to win much bigger than it is in the US. And I don't mean because of the rabid fan base. I'm talking about because of money. When you've got a concept of relegation looking you straight in the face, you know relegation means that you cannot participate. You, you're, it's like going from major leagues to AAA or from the NBA to the D League. That's one way to stop tanking, isn't it? We've talked about tanking. Wouldn't that be something? If you lose 100 games three years in a row like the Orioles are going to do, your punishment is that you're no longer in the major leagues. We're going to bring you to AAA and then bring a AAA team up to the major leagues. Never going to happen. Can't happen. There's too many laws in place and there's too, many, too much money involved, too many contracts in place. You cannot have a local team disappear and not be a major league team because they lose their local broadcast revenue. They lose their ticket revenue and they'd never be able to make their way back. Except you could argue every year they'd make their way back because you would keep relegating a team who lost 100 games a year for three years. Not going to happen, not being talked about at any level. But when you are relegated, that is a move that costs you hundreds of millions of dollars. When you are promoted, that is a move that gives you hundreds of millions of dollars. So staying off the bubble is critical for these English football teams. So Harry Kane wants out, wants to be transferred. But if he gives you the best chance to win and the best chance to avoid relegation, to get promoted again, an owner is going to say, I don't care if you're unhappy, go play. Go play. In baseball, it's a little different. There are no owners who are allowed to or who would say, I won't let that player leave. Now, there are players who are signed who say they don't want to be there. And there are owners who give in to that, like Derek Jeter, when Christian Yelich said, I don't want to be here for a rebuild. And he said, great, I don't want players here who don't want to be here. And he traded him for nothing to the Brewers. That is always a bad strategy. Owners cannot ever take into account a player's desire on whether that player wants to be there or not. Even if that player then holds out and that hurts your team. Even if that player tanks it because he's got guaranteed money and that hurts your team. The reason why when you are running your business or you are running your family or you are running your team, and you're going to hear more about this potentially in a Samson sit down. You cannot let the players control the narrative of the team because that is a guarantee of failure for that team. 
an owner who says, I want a certain player on the team because of a personal relationship, because I'm a fan of that player, or because he thinks that that player gives that team the better chance to win, even when the baseball people or the football people or the soccer people say that's not the case. When an owner uses his or her prerogative to not let a player leave, not trade a player who people in your organization say should be traded, that does not have a deleterious impact on future players and future dealings with those players. It may have a negative impact on the results on the field when you have an owner making decisions like that, but it does not set a bad precedent. However, when a player initiates a trade demand, when a player initiates a transfer demand, when a player initiates a holdout and you give in, and this happens all the time now, the Dolphins just did it with their cornerback, Howard. I want a new contract. All right. We will negotiate a new contract. When owners allow players to do that, mark my words, nothing positive happens for the team. The other players see what the owner has done for that player. The other players want to have done for them what the owner's done for that player. The other players feel the chemistry will disappear inside the clubhouse because of the anger and the jealousy of the player who demands something and the owner allows it. But when the owner doesn't let the player leave, that actually leads to cohesiveness. When you have a bad apple who doesn't want to be on your team and who's grumpy, sit his ass out. Don't put him in the starting lineup. Don't let him play. I love that we can do that in North American sports. You can't do that in football overseas. That's why the best players always get what they want. Because the teams can't afford not to be good. They can't afford to not treat the best players differently than the worst players. It was just last week when Ronaldo didn't play a match because he didn't want to play. No one really knew why. It wasn't disclosed why. He just came in and said, I don't want to play. And so he didn't play. And I just kept wondering about these North American men who own these Premier League teams and how they try to run the teams the same and how it's such a different scenario over in Europe as it is in the U.S., just as though and as is the difference between running a successful business that's not sports, buying a sports team, and then pretending you should run it that same way and you're going to have the same success. It does not and has never worked that way. So you want to know how I would handle the star player who refused to show up to training camp in North America? Bye-bye. Suspended. In Europe, please... Please come play well, <laughs> please. That's our show. Good luck to Harry Kane. Good luck to Dave Dombrowski. Good luck to Jimmy Garoppolo. Just remember, it's business. It's nothing personal. 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.